This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever and however you are listening, and welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Uh, We're glad to be with you this morning as we commence the new year. Maybe the wrapping paper's been put away, maybe... Dare I say it, the Christmas tree is even down and you're faced with the post-Christmas blues, as Mm. Russ mentioned last week. Well, we are glad that you're with us this morning so we can pick up your spirits by continuing, as Dickens uh, described Scrooge after his conversion, to carry that Christmas spirit with you every single day. Because uh, for Christians, Christmas is every day. Easter is every day. The Lord has been born. He has come. He lived. He did ministry. He died but didn't stay that way and has been raised to glory. And one day he will return before every eye and every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. And so as we begin this new year, let's let's continue to commit ourselves to that spirit and ministry of the gospel for every day of our lives. Uh, With me today is Ryan and Jonathan. Good morning, guys. Welcome. Good Good morning. morning. Thanks for just being with me this week and, and compensating for my weaknesses as I sit in for Russ. I'm <laughs> sure glad you guys are here to do all the heavy lifting. Yeah. Well, you did some before we even got in the right. studio. Yeah, so yeah, we're, we're just, yeah. you've done all the back, we'll, back work. So. We'll see. You send me those chiropractor bills for carrying me. Here okay. we go. Uh, we're going to continue talking about the wise men. Uh, we, we introduced this to you yesterday in Matthew 2. Uh, today we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. And uh, I'll go ahead and read. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, the the thing, you know, to tie this together, first of all, Herod's been approached by the wise men as where where the the one that was born king of the Jews. It's interesting that, you know, Herod, who is king at that time, knows exactly what they're saying. Yeah. Because he asked the scribes where the Christ is to be born. So yep. here's yep. A, here's a he, there's a tell in his in what he's asked them. He knows that this is when he says Christ, that is a specific terminology of the anointed one, the one that was promised in the Old Testament. Mm. And so they from that they they were told that uh, he was going to you know they the scribes quote Micah five two that he's going to be born in Bethlehem, this one that was from ancient days from of old. And uh, so, they, so he goes out and says the most untrue words ever said yes. was, you know, go seek diligently for this child uh, that uh, I can come and worship him also. Yes. I mean, just, I mean, there's a certain creepiness about what he has said there. But at the same time, the wise men are blessed to hear the news. Uh, they haven't added up that backstory yet mm-hmm. right uh, in fact we're told at the end of verse 12 that god actually intervenes uh, that they're warned in a, in a dream not to return to herod and then they depart to their own country by another way so they don't they don't they don't come and give that report back to herod which leads uh to to greater tragedy and later mm-hmm. let's pick up in verse 13 um i'll go ahead and read today 
Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. This comes out of the ESV. Uh, now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Well, one of the things that this passage is showing us um, is God protecting his own son. But it also reminding us of the uh, conflict uh, between a, a world that has rejected God and the fact that he's sending his son into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the God could have protected his son in in Bethlehem. Yeah. He could, yeah. you know, <laughs> but also over and over again Matthew is determined to tell us that this took place to fulfill what was spoken of him in the scriptures. And so the very fact that God is using all these circumstances to fulfill his will. This is you know he is he is proving and demonstrating over and over again to us that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is this anointed king. Mm-hmm. And he's done it by showing the birthplace, by having the wise men follow the star. He's done, done it now, and he's showing us that this is the true king, even by the opposition that he's receiving. And this also ties, I mean, as Matthew, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, ties this you know, to Egypt. I mean, we have in the Old Testament... You know, the seed of the woman versus the seed of the serpent. And the seed of the serpent at all times in conflict with that seed of the woman seeking to destroy the seed of the woman uh, at any opportunity. We see it in the uh, Exodus itself as Pharaoh, who represents that seed of the serpent, even the serpent himself, seeking to destroy the male children of of Israel and Moses being rescued miraculously um, through that and coming back being the one who delivers, God uses to deliver. And then we see uh, references to that as Matthew is hearkening us back to that same similar situation. But this time that seed of the serpent is in Herod, is, is Herod. He's the one representing the evil one who is seeking to destroy uh, the coming seed of the woman and God intervening and uh, fleeing, and or not fleeing, but moving his son out of harm's way. Yeah, yeah. Ma- Matthew, Matthew actually quotes Hosea 11.1 1 when mm-hmm. it says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I've called my son. Now, it, in, for Hosea, Ho is, Hosea was looking at the nation Israel mm-hmm. and, and that promise. But ultimately, we're being told here that, that Jesus is true Israel, yep. that Jesus <laughs> is the one who fulfilled what Israel was supposed to be. Jesus is that, and Jesus is, is that. And so the, the story that's echoed through Genesis and Exodus is now coming to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And, right. and so we, he was, all that stuff is types and shadows. He's the true um, one that was prophesied there. 
Yeah, it's become, when both of you guys said it, Christ is the fulfillment of, of the Old Testament promises in Scripture, and then we see this this, this battle from Genesis 3.15 between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent play out here in, in Matthew 2. Um, in Revelation 12, John will, will, will paint this picture by the Spirit um, when he paints the, the serpent as the great dragon sitting ready to devour the child. Um, I think what I find most comforting is even as we think about the just the the horrific tragedy that is described here in Matthew two, the, the murdering um, and laying to waste of all of these these young children, two years and and and, and under. You think about how vulnerable a human being is at that stage, and just just to be discarded by Herod, but to read that not even the most vile evil act is outside of God's sovereignty and control brings me great comfort. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is tragedy, this this evil, but but God is is big enough. To make an, uh, to make space for man's evil nature, for for the limited authority of the serpent, the the war is over. the The battle rages and continues, and and there will be those who who are lost. But the 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 war is won. Yeah, yeah, God's sovereignty is great. Through through the use of that uh, passage, where um, Matthew is quoting actually from Jeremiah chapter thirty one, uh, where in Jeremiah thirty one fifteen it says, Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Rama, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel is weeping for her children, she refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Here, uh, Rachel's depicted as the mother of Israel and the children have mm-hmm. been brought off to um, you know, captivity. But Jeremiah thirty one, that whole chapter this is the only negative verse in that whole chapter. Yeah. <clears throat> Every other verse in that chapter is talking about what God will do in delivering his people. And it's all hopeful because, it, you know, you would read there later, there is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children should come back to their own country. You know, keep your voice from weeping, your eyes from tears, for there is reward for your work, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There's hope for your futures, declares the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own country. Actually, this Jeremiah's Day and Herod's Christmas massacre at Bethlehem, if you read it in light of all of Scripture, and that's the way Matthew wants you to read it, he doesn't want you to read just that verse. It's supposed to clue you into the rest of that. He's saying there's hope, and there's hope because Jesus has been delivered, and he is going to fulfill his purpose you know, in coming into this world, which is to destroy the works of the devil. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what else, what else can we pull from uh, Matthew 2? You know, I, um, you know, I think uh, I think back to you know some of the Christmas carols that you may have heard uh, this you know in the past few weeks. You know, there if you're familiar with the Christmas Carol by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Mm. He actually wrote that on Christmas Day, mm. Christmas Day, December twenty fifth, eighteen sixty three. He was a he was a widow father of of six children. His his wife had uh, come to a fire that. Uh, in that November, and um, you know, so he wasn't even able to go to her funeral because he had been burned as well. His last two stanzas, and in despair I bowed my head, there's no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. And so in the tension between what we're seeing here in Matthew chapter 2 of the, of the children slaughtered and everything else, he's, he, he's reminding us of that same dissonance. And Wadsworth saw the dissonance in that text as well. 
and yet with Jesus we have this end of of the exile. We have we we're going to be brought back to God. So in this season, whatever way death cast a shadow on us, the trials of this world, um, we can find comfort and hope and assurance of God's unbreakable covenant with us as well. Mm-hmm. This may have been mentioned already, but just the fact that it uh, you know, bears repeating that God works despite evil and sinful in mm-hmm. the, the sinful human nature. I mean, his plan will unfold and um, evil cannot overthrow it. And he actually works despite evil and wickedness to accomplish his good purposes. And I think we can find immeasurable comfort in that uh, in this passage. I, I was thinking too of the fact that this happens in, in Bethlehem. You know, and this is the very, you know, just a few, you know, you know, months before when when the shepherds received that news, mm-hmm. glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill among those whom God has favored, they went out and spread that message in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, I kind of wonder in my mind how many uh, covenant families were represented in mm-hmm. the in their children dying, mm-hmm. and the fact that they could have some hope in that. We know that they that they spread the wonder of that to that that community. We don't know, but at the same time, you know, if King David who would you know is from that same city, you know, he had himself lost a child. Mm-hmm. And David uh, said to his servants, "Is the child dead?" They said he's dead, and David said, "I shall go to him, but he'll not return to me." Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he's he's remembering that this he's actually he's telling us what we all know jesus is the resurrection and the life he that believeth in him shall not die but shall be with him we'll leave it there hope for the new life thanks for listening to gospel for life and we will catch up with you tomorrow